the Pam Electric Christian were live on the air with David Fox for the first time. We wanted to uh, also let everybody know that this podcast will be on Newsly within an hour. And so you can um, use coupon code GHOST and get one month free premium subscription so you can stop scrolling and start listening. And so um, they're a, a good sponsor of the show, so we like to mention them. And people will be able to listen to the podcast there. So thank you. Cool. Hi. How are you doing? So um, <laughs> the, your your company is Dot Ninja SEO. Yeah, and, yeah. And you were a musician and you got into SEO because um, – Maybe you can tell that story. How did it, how did that happen? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I've been doing music for a long time. I've been in bands and, uh, you know, just uh, playing shows around my area, which is Ontario, um, just locally and stuff. I never not like a big uh, nothing too big, but um, yeah, I've been a musician. I've also taught taught music here and taught uh, drums and guitar and singing and things like that at the local music school. And uh, I've taught privately as well. And so that was going okay, but it was just never like a, a huge moneymaker or anything like that. So at some point, you know, when I got to about like, I guess, you know, late thirties, I was like, I should, you know, maybe try to figure out some other skills here that might help mm -hmm. me in the, through, through my life. So I, I kind of started getting into internet marketing. I just sort of stumbled across it one day. I was like, you know, on YouTube and I just like saw some video, um, it was the <laughs> this guy called the lazy lazy ass stoner. Um, <laughs> he's like a marketing guy. He's talking. To, have you ever heard of this guy? No, that sounds like it would appeal to a musician, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally brought me in because it was. He's just like, yeah, man, Pinterest. Like, you can dominate Pinterest. Like, it's so easy. <laughs> just like do this. I'm like, what's he talking about? Like, so this would have been like 2014, and mm -hmm. I just like was like, what is he talking? About? It was like March break too, so I was like. Um, you know, it was like dead of winter here. And so I was just at home, like watching videos for a while. And I'm like, is there something going on that I'm missing here? Like, am I missing out on something? And then that's when I kind of clued into like the whole SEO kind of concept, I guess. Um, and yeah, then from there, I kind of. A lot of people set. probably don't even know. I mean, musicians, we know <laughs> we have to use it. YouTube, yeah. I mean, YouTubers, podcasters. Yeah. But tell people like, what is SEO? What exactly is it? And how does it help? somebody that has a business, somebody that's a musician, somebody that's a podcaster, yeah. you know, that's an influencer. Yeah. How does that help engage your fans, you know, better? Mm -hmm. Well, it's like a, you know, it's like a set of best practices, really. Like um, it's sort of going on on the internet and like you can either be aware of it or not aware of it, but, but it's like sort of how the algorithm works. Right. So <clears throat> when I first got into it, I like, and it takes a while to understand it because I guess maybe some people, they like have been aware of it for like, you know, 10 years now or 20 years, like it's been around for a while, the idea of it and, and just sort of like the algorithms have been, uh, you know, Google and like whatnot have been incorporated, like every platform uses SEO to a degree. So like search engine optimization or, you know, um, so it means like just getting to like getting exposure in the, in the results. Um, and so you can either pay for it or you can like um, work it so that you can show up organically. So you don't have to pay for it. You're paying with your time of course because you have to like um you know figure out how to make it work and stuff so um yeah it's like it, it's sort of behind the scenes like if you have a website for example like it's like the metadata and like the sort of like the um functionality of the website is sort of seo based you know like websites sort of google will send it's like robots um like people might not even be aware that google sends like little robots to your website to like scan it 
and then mm-hmm. you know basically SEO. like do you do you know about this or like um yeah yeah or, well i'm an it guy i'm a software designer so okay so I, you know you're well aware yeah. of it yeah, I, yeah, I build so, big, big systems, though. I mean, I build for banks and insurance companies, but we use it. Oh, thing. yeah. So, yeah, so it's the same idea, I guess. Like, um, because it's interesting because, yeah, even banks and stuff, like sometimes they're they're like, like the sort of website itself might not have a very good user interface or like um, it can like get screwed up at any level. Right. So it's like you can mm-hmm. have like a very simple website, which has very good SEO and you can have a very complicated website, which has very bad SEO. So it's like, yeah. Um, depending on like who's running the website. Like for instance, in my city, there's like a, like the YMCA in my city has like really bad SEO. It's not like um, in the sense that it's like not, uh, it's not even mobile friendly at this point. So like you go on the uh, the YMCA website and like you have to zoom in on it and like, you know, nav- like it's like you're looking through like a- Very hard to navigate. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Not, it's not optimized for phones or iPads or anything, right? Like it- no. Which yeah. is crazy because like they should this like most of the YMCA's are optimized, but this one is not. So yeah, well, so it depends um, on what they feel. Like sometimes people are not into IT, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm an IT nerd, you know. But yeah. you know, I'm an electronic musician. That's how I got into it because like okay, my, I'm a synthesis and I design okay. sound, so I have right. to program. Nice. So I've always yeah. programmed. And I said, well, I might as well make money programming too. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, so I just, I do it for like banks and insurance companies, but for art, I mm-hmm. use my Moog, I use my Roland, and I, yeah. I go in and I program them. So it wasn't so hard. I think electronic musicians who actually do the level of programming that we do, it's not mm-hmm. hard to understand stuff like SEO. But, you know, if you're yeah, an sure. organic musician and you never touch computers, <laughs> yeah. You probably like, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. There's like sort of like different types of musicians that would be like techno geeks versus like just, uh, you know, guitar strumming, acoustic, yeah, a folk, a folky. Ballad, folk people. Or, and they just like or don't, a punk rocker that does that's like against everything. So it's like, I, I'm not going to take time to learn that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know lots of people like that that are basically just like they have like, you know, they're they're much younger than me, but they don't actually have like a they don't take the time they they know less about it than me so it's interesting how like you can be very young and have all the latest uh you know like social platforms and stuff like that but not even be kind of like thinking about it so i mean i don't want to like stereotype people there are some people that are like you know folk musicians that would be very like you know very knowledgeable about it yeah i think they once if if you get into like fact that you're into social action right and you mm-hmm. you're into like activism, you might stumble into it because like, oh, I want to be more effective in my campaigns for yeah. humanity, right? So then you right. actually learn about it from that angle and then you get into it. Right. Yeah. But you had to have a reason to drive you. Cause if it if it was for that person, if it was about money, they'd be like, ah, I don't want to do it for money. I want right. to do it because I'm an activist. And then they yeah. push that. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's like a motivation behind it. But yeah, you'd have to like, for instance, with Facebook or whatever, like you can't run a Facebook ad campaign without having some idea of what's going on. Right. Because otherwise it's just going to like, you know, you won't even be able to run the ads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't, it won't. It, it, yeah. I mean, cause you just look at the, how they tell you to just go in as a neophyte and just run it without doing an, an analysis. <laughs> like well, who's your yeah. market, right? Where, where yeah. should you actually run that ad? Right. Like if you right. run it into, <laughs> you run it into like, you know, some some country like like okay, I'm just gonna run it there because that's where all the bots are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know people that do that. They'll be like, I know a guy specifically is a friend of mine that like, for some reason or not for some reason, but he specifically like ended up targeting like African people because I guess it was cheaper than the the 
because like, in the when you target like say a small town in North America, sometimes like if you're smart targeting a small town, uh, Facebook just goes like I don't I can't target that town. You have to like yeah. target like a certain area, and then the price of the you know the cost per click goes up, and then you're like, what about this town over here in Africa? And it's like, oh, that's super cheap, <laughs> you know, like yeah, so don't, don't target there. <laughs> yeah, so you target there, or you target like. Uh, at oh some my. point I was was target yeah like at some point I was somehow I was like uh getting uh Turkish Turkish clicks or whatever so it was like uh you know everyone that was commenting on one of my campaigns a while ago was like a a Turkish guy you know yeah that's um, weird but yeah I mean you never know with, with a lot of us musicians like I get people from like Iceland Norway yeah. Netherlands yeah. because that's where the scenes I'm in you know that's what, right. you know so I'll, I'll get Berlin and people are like, well, how are you getting that? I got like Latvia. Right. Yeah, but, right. But Latvia, it wasn't a joke because there's actually a bunch of electronic musicians there. And they actually yeah, were right. digging me. And so I was like, oh, yeah. well, that actually isn't a bad idea to target there because there's a lot of them. And yeah, I actually exactly. found a bunch of producers that were into it. And it was more like for the producer people. So sometimes yeah, yeah. Like, if you're targeting like other artists and producers, not exactly the fans, but like you yeah. end up becoming like somebody that, producers because you i end up getting a lot of work with other musicians right you know the producers so if i target mm -hmm. where their scenes are then right. i actually get work and it's actually valuable because i actually go and end up working on right stuff. exactly like i would actually just like straight up recommend it because you know it's like if just for exactly why you just said because sometimes your scene is not like in your hometown right so um and it's just like a and you have to even if you like, for instance, with my Spotify, like artist thing, like I have a Spotify for artists and mm -hmm. uh, it sends you monthly, like the list of like your plays and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And it says, it shows you, it's like a lot of them are just from, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're from person. fucking like, they're from everywhere. So you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. the guy uh, from like, it's all over the world. So like, unless, but a, a musician might look at that and go like, I don't want like these people from, uh, you know, whatever like nicaragua listening like yeah it's like but then it's like why the fuck not i guess the thing is they do pay less per like the certain countries like if yeah, you yeah, get a spotify Cambodia, play in or like thailand yeah. or like singapore and but the thing yeah. is is like i find I, I get a lot of asian um fans i get a lot of yeah. fans from like thailand singapore mm -hmm. and they're like they're into it they're into like the like, type yeah. of music I'm doing they're actually into it yeah so, so like I don't you know like, like where I am in North New Hampshire I've got no mm. organic fans in New Hampshire when I play right. I have to play in Boston or New York right in the Northeast yeah. that's where I have to go or otherwise I go to the New Orleans or I go to go to Los Angeles but but like yeah. I'm not gonna because the place I'm in is full of folkies they're in right. there like they're like, all they want is rock and folk and right. so I'm yeah. not gonna get good engagement trying to get people in Manchester or Nashua that makes no yeah. sense. I got to yeah. actually go to where they are, you know? Yeah. Like you can't, you can't even convert them either. Like they're just not into it. They're not going to be into it. I mean, they don't, I mean, <laughs> yeah. in Boston, Fenway, there's an EDM club. I can mm, target okay. that place that, that, but mm -hmm. that's not even the best area really target in New York city. There's yeah. a better bank for the buck and tar mm -hmm. target in LA or like, yeah. even like you jump to like Berlin, Berlin, right. you know, kind of Brian Eno. And what mm -hmm. Bowie did in the 70s, yeah, yeah. what came out of there, mm -hmm. Iceland, Netherlands, Australia. I mean, I, I've got tons of like uh, friends and uh, who are musicians, like in Australia. I know like four or five different bands. 
that oh, yeah. are like into what I do. And I actually, we do an online festival and mm-hmm. I get these bands from like Latvia and Berlin to all come and play because they're like, I'm in a scene, but it's like a global scene. And yeah. when I realized that like the pandemic wasn't a big problem for me because most of the people who are in my scene, mm-hmm. they're like in like 30, 40 different countries. <laughs> yeah. So you can't really go wrong, I guess, if you have that sort of technical but some, but people just get so like fucked up from just trying to like in my in my one band that I'm in like just hooking up like is it OBS or whatever that oh yeah you know, OBS that, is, yeah I had that was I I had to spend for a festival I did mm-hmm. I spent an hour with each band showing yeah. them how to hook up OBS how to hook up their DAW the biggest yeah. problem was getting people with DAWs to right. learn how to do a driver. That would actually come into StreamYard, which like yeah. I don't have a problem because I use a mixer, so mm-hmm. I actually have a hard. I have a, like an like an L8 Zoom, and it okay. just hooks up, right? But people who have DAWs, you yeah. actually have to go and create a, a driver. Like if you're not a tech and you're a musician, yeah. like well, how do I make a driver? Like <laughs> yeah, that, right there, then then it takes me like half it hour takes to show forever. My driver you know yeah 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 we like in my band like we're like a punk band kind of and like now the jam hall looks like uh it's like lit up with fucking like all this stuff like that it was never there before and it's kind of makes it a little more like we're not even necessarily good at that stuff so it's like just getting the drivers working getting like like we're lucky if we get it going now at this point it's like a, a year like we practice and then we like play around with like the obs stuff and it's like but to me like actually like I basically kind of dropped the whole band thing in a way because like I record mostly myself and just like put it out there, but I do it more Mm -hmm. as like a, like like, it's just for fun almost like not for fun, but like, it's more like my, just my passion. But, but I switched over to like, I did with the marketing stuff. I just did, um, I was doing affiliate marketing for like five years with Amazon stuff. And I had like Mm -hmm. ads running and, and like had many websites and was making like pretty good money with it. Um, and it was like actually that was like making me all my money right at that point like the music stuff was just very like minimal with with the financial you know gain yeah, or whatever it's very so, hard yeah that's why i yeah. got into podcasting because yeah, i got yeah. into podcasting so i could you can know, see all my uh, modes behind me yeah where, um, nice. like i i do the music and the music i get deals i get to work on video game soundtracks i get yeah. to work with other producers and yeah. so like you might not really know who i am but i actually other musicians actually know who i am and i get to work with them so yeah so i'm able to do that and then the podcast gets me affiliate marketing gets me mm-hmm. influencer marketing so you know mm-hmm. you know you can see i had i've got you know partners that way right. i've worked with and yeah the podcast thing has made more money than the music but, the, but right. it's actually supporting the music and the music actually still gets me guests because I get mm-hmm. a lot of guests that are musicians um, on, yeah. on this podcast. And so I'm able to, to kind of, you know, because I'm a musician, I, I have a kind of behind the music type of way of doing things. And so I've been mm-hmm. able to kind of launch into a different world where I'm a musician, but I'm a podcaster interviewing, yeah. in, you know, emerging and independent artists all over the world, not just yeah. in the U.S., multiple genres. And that's yeah. how I found my niche, you know? Mm. That's cool. Like, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to do what you're doing, I guess, um, because that's why I got on Podmatch. I was like, shit. Like, I want to just see what's going on with the in that in that world. So I was like, 
and I, I kind of like rambling and, and babbling on. So like, I'm like, I can go on these <laughs> podcasts and babble on for a bit. Like that'll be fun. So yeah. other stuff, other stuff stresses me out. Like, you know, I have certain problems and phobias and stuff, but for some reason I can just come on a podcast and be like a random fuck on a podcast. No problem. Like, yeah, uh, it's like the new, so, it's mean, like I, the new, new meet and greet. Why well, I just love the connections. Yeah. I've been able to branch into not yeah. just musicians, but like people like yourself doing like services. I, yeah. I've been talking to people who are like you know, shamans. I started yeah, talking okay. to like psychoanalysts, yeah. CEOs, like film yeah. directors. That's super you, you had, I had to branch into like entertainment because for years I was just only going to do music. And yeah. then, then I saw the numbers drop and I said, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to change that. And so I started mm-hmm. branching into like entertainment. And then yeah. just any kind of podcast was like, okay, well, what's expansive? We're talking right. to a shaman about, because all musicians might run into problems where they need to go see a psychoanalyst or need to see somebody. So bringing mm-hmm. somebody on that's actually like a psychotherapist or a social worker, that's not a bad yeah. idea. Because you can get people to like, oh, maybe I do need self-help. You know, so, right. so I've been able to kind of try to swing it to show that, hey, this does relate. <laughs> yeah, it's all connected in some way. Like, and yeah, you just sort of tie it into your overall because you're not just like a you know one type of thing. You're like you're doing many things at the same time. And um, but yeah, like with with I basically like I, for the past couple of years I was doing drop shipping for like a couple of years and like uh, yeah, yeah. so I sw- switched out of like uh, affiliate marketing into drop shipping and um, that was like a whole thing too. Like I was basically running like a patio store on a, my my laptop. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it was like crazy. Cause like we were selling like fire pits, gazebos and sectionals. Did you, did you get burned out on that and this switch to SEO? Is well, it... no, this was after all that stuff. Like this was like the last, this was last year. Um, mm-hmm. The problem, the problem with it was that it was like, um, like, well, COVID was sort of like uh, slowing down the supply chain a bit. And um, oh yeah, not, supply chain yeah. is a big problem. Yeah. So that was, that was a problem, but the, that wasn't the main problem. The main problem was just like, the, the store, like, even though it was like relatively cheap to run, like it's cheaper to run an online store than it is to run like a brick and mortar yeah, storefront. Yeah. But like, as far as like still the overhead was like kind of high, it was like 500 bucks a month. Cause we had like an office, like, which was just a mailbox and sort of like a, like, wasn't really an office, but like on Google um, business, my business, like our office was literally like a building cause it was a building, but it wasn't like our building. Like we could go to that building, but it wasn't technically our office, but it looked like we had an office. Right. <laughs> um, so like on the, on Google maps, it'd be like, they're at like, you know, in this building and we're like, we have a mailbox in that building, but yeah, yeah. Anyway. You have to have yeah. that physical address on the, on, on the Google to like be able to do that, I guess. I think. Yeah. Well, cool. we couldn't even fully like make use of like all this stuff. Cause we were trying to get into Google merchant, which is like their, uh, you know, their shopping stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but at that point they'd put a cap on, like, they didn't really tell anyone, but they were like not letting anybody else in. Uh, so oh, we like paid like, <laughs> they were, they made it so like, we were like basically trying to back way in with like, we just applied and applied and there's nothing like wrong with our, like we should have been able to get in, but I guess like, like it was like a thousand times more online businesses had applied that year. Oh, they you know, had like, a big queue problem. Then they had a queue and they couldn't, they couldn't like set them up. Yeah. Like we actually talked to like some, like we had a company where like, we'll just hire this company to get us in because some company was claiming like guaranteed we'll get your we'll get it we'll get you in and literally they couldn't even get us in they're like they talked to some guys at google and google's like nobody's getting in and i'm like 
okay, so we couldn't get in, but like, and that was a problem because like, um, you know, that's, we were trying to use like, you know, that, that system to promote our stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you actually and, have to be inside that system to take advantage of their, their packets and all the stuff to do with all the, all the programs yeah. or all the different that they offer. Yeah. yeah. If you can't, you can't turn it on, then, then you're like, well, what's the point of paying a fee if I can't turn it on? <laughs> yeah. Like we just, cause you have to, well, actually you don't, do you have to pay for merchant? I don't know if you have to pay for merchant. You have to apply, apply to merchant and then get in. And then get Google in. merchant sort of like, you kind of have to, I think you have to like FTP them some kind of like dock every month, to like update your inventory and shit like that. And um, it was just yeah. like, uh, the problem was mainly like my, my math skills aren't super high. So um, margins were kind of a problem. Like we weren't like, we were charging too much basically for like stuff that we were, we were charging, charging the average. <clears throat> for like high ticket items but uh and we sold some of them but like the thing is we were we were like right in the middle so the guys that were like undercutting and somehow had those deals like to get the lowest price yeah yeah this gets into like the whole msrp map shit where it's like you know certain certain uh industries have like you know like or certain companies will have like those that map pricing where it's like if you, you can't go below a certain price but certain somehow people would just like you know, be selling a, you know, something worth $2,000 for like, you know, a thousand dollars or something. And then uh, we just be like, how we can't beat these prices. They're too low. And, and yeah, just like right. getting the traffic there. Yeah. yeah. So like some people are subsidizing it with something else that's highly profitable. And then they yeah. kind of take over the market because they're kind of, they're kind of like yeah. playing games because they got something else where they're making super profit. So they yeah. can subsidize coming in to take over yeah. that market and then crew the price back up. You know, yeah. not and, people out and then creep up. You know, it's like, a, and they're better with where warehousing and shit too. Like, I mean, that's what I think a lot of people were like. They'd buy a bunch of gazebos and put them in a warehouse, and then mm -hmm. they'd be on Amazon selling these gazebos. And like, we were just like, you know, we're we're novices with this stuff. So we're like, wait a second, what what's happening? Like, and then you know, but we did it for a while. We we sold a lot of stuff, but it was, uh, you know, even the manufacturers were like still kind of like uh, problematic too because we'd have these reps and the reps would be inefficient. Like they were all working from home and stuff. So we'd be calling our, we'd sell something and then we'd call our rep and give them the, you know, say like, this is what we sold. And then the rep would like forget that we like, they just forget it, forget that we sold like 10 of these gazebos. And, and then they wouldn't send them. Then they wouldn't, then they wouldn't send them. And I'm like, how the fuck did you, they're like, they're like, well, you, you have to prove that you sent us the invoice. I'm like, it's oh, in gosh. the email. Like, it's like, it's right here. And so like, we had these customers would be calling us saying like, where's my giant where's gazebo? Stuff, should yeah. be? And I'm like, or like a, one time there was this umbrella that was going to, to New York and it was like this giant umbrella. And uh, the guys like had a, it was like a rich guy with like um, a maid and the maid didn't want to come down to the lobby to get it. And like, so they send it back across the country and like, um, we're just like, wow, this is stuff that was like way over our head and stuff. So um, yeah, it's like, a lot of <laughs> Yeah, you're starting to get into like Amazon.com, you know, and, and they're going to be the king of that, you know, because like yeah. they, they got the warehouse, they got the supply, they can knock the price down. We get to yeah. Walmart, big Walmarts and guys like that, then yeah. it's hard. You know, you can you can try to operate on the margin, you know, you can try yeah. to try to be in there and get into it. But once you start, yeah, it gets into the like, the, I'm in insurance, right? So I deal with actuaries <laughs> and accountants. Okay. Yeah. And I have to, I have to, I actually design product. So I'm more mm -hmm. theoretical, but I designed how those products work. So right. I don't got to really deal with inventory. I'm more about 
how technically a life insurance or an annuity product works. So I don't really have right. to care about moving widgets or moving yeah. how much I actually have to understand how the math of how it works. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's my, my, my capability. Cause I started with like mainframes and COBOL. Then I went mm -hmm. and learned servers. Now I learned mm -hmm. like blockchain. So yeah. I, I'm a techie and I, yeah. I got into it. And that's why I'm in the sense because I, but I, like I get bored with working with these bankers and yeah. the insurance people. And I want to use that math to make music because then that mm -hmm. makes art. So part of my right. brain wants to take that math and go onto a Moog and play with yeah. sine waves and ramp waves and pulse waves and actually make music. Yeah. yeah. That's have my fun. Cause it's like, Hey, I can put that algorithm down and actually make yeah. some fun. <laughs> or make yeah. Some that's pretty new, Yeah. New wave, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to, like wait to, for your like band to show up. You have like all the stuff like around you. So you can just like turn around and like, yeah, I'm right in my bedroom. I'm a bedroom producer. So yeah. I've got my Juno and all this stuff hooked up. The one thing yeah. I decided is I don't like DAWs. I don't like digital audio workstations. So I use multi-tracks. Right. So I so I, I like to capture my analog sense directly onto 24-track multi-tracks. Now I multi-track digital, but they grab my full my full like headroom. They can take the whole headroom of what my Moog Duck puts out without right. compressing it, without clipping it, because it's not going into it. It's actually getting recorded to like a wave file. And so I can actually put down what I call like sound paintings, uh, okay. kind of like George Martin and uh, Jimi Hendrix used to talk mm -hmm. about. If you take like, I think George Martin was in this documentary and he was talking about how like the Beatles, when they, you know, they, they were in Berlin playing like, yeah. like, a, like a real bar band, right? Yeah. Like they initially recorded them like that. And then, oh, yeah. then eventually you get to like rubber soul and you get to like, you it's know, like strawberry fields Rose. and shit like that. Yeah. You start to see that. Oh, let's, let's actually use the studio. Like Monet is an expressionist, right? Which <clears> actually, <throat> and he said, what, one of the things that happened was George Martin used to do Peter Sellers comedy records. And on those okay. Peter Sellers comedy records, they had backward tape loops. They had orchestras, mm -hmm. they had multi-tracks, they had effects. Yeah. And yeah. then like the Beatles actually were fans of what George Martin had been doing on those Peter Sellers records. And so that's mm -hmm. how that Sgt. Pepper, you know, rubber soul yeah. type of sound came to be because they said, oh, let's use the studio to enhance a rock band the same way you do these comedy records. And then that kind of changed the whole world because then yeah, you know, yeah. now, because now people could actually use the studio to do something you can't do live. But you actually yeah. can go and make a studio record that doesn't represent what you could physically do live. It goes beyond what you could do live. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pretty big Beatles fan, I guess. Like, uh, I know what you mean, too. Like, a lot of their albums are kind of like, they have a lot of comedic sort of songs, too, that, like, you yeah. could think, like, why would, you, why would they write that song? It's so wacky, you know? Like, and then it's like, oh, because it's kind of partially just hilarious or something, you know? Like. Yeah, they, I think they know, or whatever. Like, yeah, if you think about like if you, if you they were fans of what like Peter Sellers was so irreverent, right? Yeah, and he yeah. was doing such advanced kind of comedy. And these yeah. guys are fans of him. And then yeah. George Martin, their producer, actually made those records. So then you yeah, can right, that makes the sense. Synergy, yeah. The synergy of yeah. how they how that came to happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? people probably don't know. I don't hear too many people talk about that. Like, I mean, I I don't think I don't think I knew that about the Peter Sellers stuff, but uh it makes a yeah, lot of I, sense I, when you think about just like their, the way that they're doo, 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 like all this stuff, you know, yeah, like, there's a lot of comedy. 
there's a lot of comedy in the Beatles. People, there's all that psychedelic, but it's actually, you can trace it to yeah. like using comedic, cap- you know, like t- tools in the yeah. music on top of yeah. your studio and the effects. Um, and yeah. then just being taught how to be, you know, better musicians because George Martin actually knew how to teach them as like a music teacher. So mm-hmm. he's in there actually telling them how to, how to pick the Beatle chord. Like the fact that yeah. they should voice that chord to a different type of chord and they weren't naturally going to do that until they had yeah. a guy like him around. And so that yeah. that's like the big lesson when you start doing music history because I do a lot of interviews with bands and like you, you look at the recording engineers they work with you look at mm-hmm. the producers and you look like a guy like a Brian Eno brings to the table, you yeah. know, when he when he starts working with people. It's just yeah. the, the idea that like open things up and, and and think about things in ways that you wouldn't thought about, you know, and that's that's the enhancement that when you work yeah. with an engineer and a producer, and and that's one thing, you know, some of the kids lose when they're in the DAW because they didn't they don't they don't think about maybe taking those techniques and, and bringing them home or using more analog preamps and analog controls on stuff. But there are some people who, who are into like vinyl. They're going retro again and trying to use yeah. more analog processing. So mm-hmm. they'll have a digital signal, but they'll run it through a bunch of <clears throat> Neve like uh, processors at the end of the recording chain. Or they'll use like solid state yeah. audio processors at the end of the chain to actually give yeah. it like a tape feel. They're actually machines right, that yeah. actually break your album sound like it's digital, but it puts it through no, a tape, yeah. and that yeah. sounds like it was done on a reel, you know. But, yeah, one one of my bandmates is like a total like a like a gear gear nerd, and he's got all those tape things too, and like the compressors. And layers. And yeah, he's compressors like talking about thing. like yeah, because he was talking. To, <laughs> he's he's very like a retro. Like I, we have like a sort of a retro kind of sound too, and like he uh, was talking about. With like regards to like the I guess the Ukraine thing, you know, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. he was he was like getting pissed off because he's like some some like a like little widget or something was not going to be available. He's like, pretty soon the Russians are gonna you know stop selling this fucking con- widget. Like what? And he's like, yeah, this like I he had to he had to hoard a bunch of like little like uh, what do you call it? Not transformers, but some kind of like little. Uh, yeah, I actually I actually have a company called Soyuz Microphones, and it's a Russian yeah. analog preamp. It's kind of like yeah. Neve stuff. And yeah, yeah. I have this thing, and, and they got, you know, because of the Ukraine thing, you can't really get a lot of Soyuz stuff. It's actually yeah. a company called Soyuz Microphone. And they make okay. these analog preamps. And they're so yeah. interesting because they're hand-built. And they don't, mm-hmm. one of the things I have, it doesn't have any controls. You just plug okay. your mic into it, and you have to either like what it does or you don't. Right? <laughs> so yeah. it's basically like a Neve, but with no controls on it. It's just like... You either mm. like the way it adds warmth to your thing, or you say, "Well, I don't like it." But, but it, right. it's kind of a magical thing. If you dig it, then yeah. wow, this is like a magic box. You don't even have any settings. You just hook your mic up to it, and then yeah. you know, pop it into your thing, and it just gives you all this headroom, gives you all this right. warmth, and and that's the kind of stuff. You know, that's the kind of magic devices people are always looking for. They're looking mm-hmm. for that magic preamp that's gonna make your kick drum sound better, right? It's gonna make yeah. your snare sound better, make your vocal sound better, make your guitar yeah. sound, you know, more punchy or more, you know, raucous. Yeah. Like, yeah, it depends on what you're going for, but they, there's little tools when you get into sound, yeah. you know, that yeah. you can get real obsessive about. <laughs> yeah, like it's like the the Led Zeppelin recording in the in the castle or or the in that house. Oh yeah. 
with the, like the one mic or two mic, one mic on the ceiling, one mic on the on the kick or something. Yeah, there's that. a lot of techniques. Like you said, you know, yeah, like Elton John did a yellow brick road in a house. Um, right. The, yeah. yeah. The, um, if you think about like Exile Main Street was done in a house in France, <clears throat> you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was in the basement and it was super hot. Mm -hmm. And Keith right. was always going outside and doing other things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw the classic album thing for Elton John, like that album, the, the Yellow Brick yeah. Road thing. Yeah. Pretty cool yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, I love that stuff. Yeah. Watching, watching. Well, I like the fact it. that they said, like, in that, in that episode, Elton said, yeah, everything's like second, third take. We didn't yeah. obsess about trying to make it perfect. And I always yeah. try to tell kids, like, you know, you, you know, if you start going on to the 10th and the 20th take, I'm like, you know what? The further yeah. you get away in the first take, yeah. the less honest this song is. Like, because your yeah, first yeah. or second or third take, maybe it has an error in the vocal. Maybe it has a key mm -hmm. change error, whatever. But yeah. it actually sounds better on version three than version 44. And right. I will actually tell them I'd rather take 33, you know, version three and say, that's the one I want to go with because you're obsessing about trying to make something perfect and you're actually wrecking it. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you got to be, you got to keep it better, closer to the original intent. <clears throat> you know, yeah. You know, I've been a big fan of uh, like uh, uh, a lot of guys that were into that kind of thinking um, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, there's a lot like, of, a lot like of the 60s bands, you know, Frank Zappa, you know, was buddy yeah. much. He's like, I'm, I'm never going to play the solo the same way. He right. was like, I'm yeah. bored. Like he, I had, there's an art, there was a, uh, a interview and they said, well, you're technically capable of playing that song solo exactly the same. You see, maybe it's always mm -hmm. boring. I'm never going to yeah. do that. I'm never going to do that. And the people are like, well, why not? It's like, because <laughs> that's not interesting to me. He just, he just didn't yeah. want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, wouldn't he fire people if they didn't do, like, they didn't, like, practice or something? Yeah, yeah. He Remember? was, like, I mean, he used to be able to actually write <clears throat> instrumentation for orchestra. To actually right, write he, the sheet yeah. music. But then yeah, when he yeah. went to play his part, yeah. they would be like, well, are you writing that down? He's like, no. <laughs> just, so he, just me i'm so exempt he, from this whole so he, so he yeah. was exempt but he he would write down exactly what everybody else's part supposed to be but they're like I'm yeah. exempt. <laughs> and if they fucked it up he'd be like you're out yeah yeah he, he was like a ta taskmaster but i mean he's so brilliant he gets away with yeah it. yeah know, of course i mean prince was like that too you know if people yeah. didn't hit the no right like, like you're done yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah and like it was amazing too it's like uh you know dweezil um yeah. Like yeah. his son, like basically like fucking, he's like, uh, he's kind of like Jason Bonham. He's just like, uh, he's like note for yeah. note. He's just like play, he can play the, the whole thing. He can play all he's his like, father's stuff. I saw that. Like he's totally, yeah, he can yeah. do it like note for note. That's like John Bonham's yeah. kid can do that too. Yeah, yeah. Like, damn. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And even like Ringo's kid is playing for the Who, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 He's out there. Yeah. So, yeah. They all have yeah, like musical kids. Like, yeah, like yeah. George had a musical kid. Paul's got a musical kid. John's got a musical kid, two musical kids. Two music, yeah, yeah. They, like Julian, I haven't seen Sean Lennon stuff for a while, but um, yeah, but, but he yeah, was in like I mean, Sean's been out there for a while too. Like he was in like Chibo Matto. Do you know Chibo Matto? Oh um, no, I didn't know where he went. I, I think he there. was like played bass in Chibo. Chibo Matto is one of those like crazy like uh, it's like with I think there's a Japanese singer and like it's like kind of like prog punk, just very spastic. Oh, cool. spastic. I like that. Yeah, like, so I, I didn't Chibo know where he went. crazy. I yeah, he was in, but he also does kind of sad, sad kind of like, uh, you know, like kind of emo, emo, emo type slow stuff. kind of stuff, whatever. But Chibo Matto, I swear he's in Chibo Matto and like, uh, 
but yeah, and then Julian, you know, he had that one song that was like pretty big, and then he kind of disappeared. Yeah, he totally disappeared. Um, I don't know where he went, but um, but he came back not long ago, and he did like a version of I don't know what it was, probably Imagine or something like. Oh, he did uh, that. Yeah, he did some kind of like tribute thing or something like. To, to the, yeah, I've, been, I've been I've been going crazy into the new revolver release that uh um, oh, yeah yeah they put out a like a a big edition of revolver with all these like outtakes that you never heard before. Oh yeah and I'm I'm a big archivist so I mean I love listening yeah. to like Hendrix stuff like that, Zep stuff yeah. like that, you know, the band. Yeah. Like I'm big into the you know Bob Dylan and the band. Mm-hmm. Like the original mm-hmm. basement tapes. That yeah. was like yeah, I was like I I've got like this 10 hour version of that. <laughs> Wait, there's the original version from like 75, and then I got this 10 hour version with guy like Quinn the Eskimo and all this stuff on it. And uh, yeah. you know, it's actually got Dylan's version of Quinn. Like everybody heard the man for man, but yeah. hardly anybody's probably ever heard the Dylan version of Quinn, which right. actually yeah. is played with the band with Robbie Robertson right. and all guys, and it's fantastic. I'm like, wow, like and that was all done like in big pink in the basement, right. You this know. is on the 10 hour basement tapes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, that one's like, it's just a good lesson for any. <laughs> like, I always try to show kids when I'm a producer, like, I like the rawness of what the band yeah. did at Big Pick. And, and I tell yeah. people if they start getting too out of control, it's like, take it back a step and try to do it like that, right? Try to actually be more organic, try to be more loose, mm-hmm. and try to do it like a, like a bootleg, mm-hmm. you know, because you, you find that you get a lot of really good music out of that. Yeah. trying to make it perfect you know yeah 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 you know what i like before i got on the podcast i was like doing a drum track for a for an album i'm doing right now it's like a it's like this uh, friend of mine who is like a she's sort of like a she's like a, a muslim punk ch- fitness chick in toronto and like a, <laughs> she's got this style that's like she's very like kind of like she's into like pj harvey and stuff and so the drums oh, are yeah, kind of yeah. like very like i have to like kind of play the drums in a certain way um mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of fun because like i'll sit down i like drag my like you know my uh my scarlet solo over. i have a scarlet solo which is like yeah, i yeah. don't know if you know what, and i'm like yeah, I so i'm i put it down i like plug it in i'm like i've heard this song like once and then i'm like i'll figure it out and then i get on there and i'm like try to work it out and then for like half i'm like sweating trying to come up with something and then like i basically like I, I play the song and then like uh then I'm done. I'm just like I'll do it a few times and like I think I got it, but I just like make it up and then I'm like that's like what ends up being like on the on the recording. Right. Yeah, because yeah. I just like making my, it up, you know. Well, I like stream of consciousness. My my style lately yeah. is you know, I've got tools where I could be on like an MPC, like an Akai MPC, and I could put something down yeah. like Ableton, but I don't like it. I like yeah. to go over to all these synths. And just mm-hmm. put my multi-track on. And I actually go live on my Facebook through this channel. And I do a rehearsal live. And I track it yeah. onto my right. onto my Zoom. And my Zoom actually will put down a stem for every mm. line that's going into it. So yeah. I've got multiple synths going into it. Drum machines going into it. Bass lines coming off of Moogs. So everything nice. gets tracked. So after the yeah. fact that you do an hour, I've actually got all these stems that were played like live. Right. And then I can go back, yeah. back and pull out like, oh, I, what I find is like the last 15 minutes of the rehearsal, I finally gelled on an idea. And yeah. that's like the last 15 minutes is the song. And for my right. last yeah, album, yeah. that's what I did. I spent two years and I did tons of hour long rehearsals that I did live from my fans. 
And then yeah. like, most of the songs are the last 15, 20 minutes of a rehearsal where I finally zoned in on yeah. what the song was. And then I yeah, actually yeah. put it down. And I, I right. feel like that that feels more like when I used to play with my bands, you know, when I had yeah. four or five people, you know, in, yeah. in, a, in a recording room doing it live. Right. And, and I just found that that, you know, if I'll play with them and maybe do overdubs, but like if yeah. I remember, like the Who's Next was recorded in a ballroom. Okay. They recorded yeah. live a lot of those tracks in ballroom in London, and then people okay. went and overdubbed a bunch of things. Right. And I think that is still a really good way to do things. You know, do do something live and then go back and overdub wherever you want. But it just captures yeah. like if you think about Who's Next the way it sounds. <clears throat> it sounds like it was live, because it basically yeah. what. <laughs> right yeah the, the foundation's live for sure yeah the foundation of the whole album is like live and there's a lot of bands like the all my brothers you know cream you know like yeah. Derek and the dominoes that you know even the stones that's a lot yeah. of what they did and there's yeah. something about live recording that it feels more honest you know yeah yeah you get that you get the take or whatever it's like you can kind of that was a good take of those people doing that song yeah. right like and yeah, then you yeah. add a few little little riffs on top of it, and it's like perfect, you know, because like yeah, that's all you need. You, you don't have... have to go obsess on the bar on the grid, trying yeah. to get everything on a Pro Tools or Logic. And I see so many kids that like they're obsessing about making it yeah. perfect. They're trying to. My yeah. whole thing is like, like, do you think Keith Richards would try to make that perfect? Do you think Keith yeah, Richards no. would go back into, <laughs> exit on Main Street and say, "Oh, I got to take that riff out and redo it"? Like, no. Yeah. He yeah, put it no. down and like that's the one. That's yeah. it. Yeah, and it know? might be like a little bit of a you know rough around the edges, but like that's what makes it cool, right? Yeah, like, but that's all about Keith. The fact that he's hard to it's hard to put a BPM on the way Keith plays because he's yeah, kind of he's kind of like like kind of he's really kind of in his own world. And you well, yeah, and same to, with Charlie too, right? Charlie's yeah. like kind of like got that weird style where he's like, you know, he's got the jazz chops or whatever, and he's. Yeah, he's like, like a jazz. Like not on, a, not on a click track or anything. Like yeah. one time, a guy was like, we were recorded with this one guy, and he was like a younger guy, and um, you know, fresh out of like recording school, and he like uh, he was putting us on the click, and my buddy was like, can you just turn the click off? And he's like, because he was doing the drum track, and the guy's like, no, you have to play to this click, and he's like, well, it's our no. recording, and he's no, like, you don't. <laughs> he's like, no, you have to play to the click. We're like, no, we don't want to, and then he basically had like a nervous breakdown. And then yeah, I, I, I ran it. into this guy that he he said he wanted this guy from like um who he was from like uh oh he was from Sweden and he okay. said he liked my music. I yeah. never use a click track, like I use Moogs that have yeah. a they're on a clock, but I purposely might have my LFO running weird yeah. where it actually kicks right. in and does weird things, right? So it's not right. exactly full four on the floor. If three, four, yeah. it's not. It's like jumping around. And right. I purposely like to do that because I like jazz. Like I like fusion. Mm. Right? Yeah. I like bebop. I like stuff that kind of goes off and comes back. Yeah. And this guy, I said, well, I told him, like, so you like Peg. You like Ghost Me. You know what I'm about. And then he right. tried to put me on a click track. And I'm like, I ain't never doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as I, as, I, as I told him, like, I thought you knew what I was about. You know, I don't use click tracks. I don't do yeah. it. And then he so was obsessing. I just had to stop working with him because he just kept on complaining that I kept on doing yeah. timing changes. As I said, that's part of what I do. They I mean, if you listen to Yes yeah. or Genesis or Funkadelic, there's timing changes. That's what it is. This changes. Yeah. 
it's progressive yeah, rock. That, yeah. Progressive rock. Yeah, a lot of arguments. People like have that argument. Like every once in a while, we'll have an argument about with people about that exact thing, and they're like, "You can't know. You have to stay. Like it has to be on the click, or it has to be like very consistent." I'm like, "What? No, it doesn't." And then, uh, and then they're just like these people. Usually, just are like, "What the fuck? Yes, it does." Like, and I'm like, yeah, "No, like get over it." So <laughs> you can never really get you never really get past that argument with certain people because they're just like, "This guy's crazy." Like. He thinks you have well, to I mean, the problem is, the is like or... a lot of the a lot of the music that if you live in the DAW, it yeah. kind of forces you into this like computer zone. Like it's 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 computer driving. You say keep that BPM the same, keep it in the same yeah. key. It starts warning you saying you're not. And I'm like, yeah, I've never. That's why I like multi tracks. I used to have yeah. a Fostex and a Tascam, and I had right. like a Tascam eight tracker. And my band, we play it till we got it. And if it mm-hmm. had a fill, I was listening to bands like The Replacements, Joy Division, right. you know, yeah. Who's Could Do. And those yeah. bands, you know, Black Flag, they weren't on a click track. They they, yeah. they didn't do that. They, they just went into it and they did it and they put it down. Yeah. And that's the way it is. It's like, you know, Camper Van Beethoven. They're like, are they on a click track? No. You know, it's yeah. just like they, they put it down, you know, and that's the way it is. Uh, and, and these kids, you know, they're trying to do what they hear these massive producers doing. And yeah. it's like they try to tell them, like, these guys are repeating their loops because they need. They keep on yeah. putting the same loops on other people's records because they get the money every time yeah. they reuse their own material. So you're right. just hearing this stuff and making you think that that's what music should be. And it's not that's not what music should be. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I have a tr- I have trouble with like certain like like say trap. I've heard a lot of trap beats. You know, I've heard enough trap beats to like you know for my whole life. You know, <laughs> just like I'm just sort of. T- and one time I was making like I was talking some shit about uh, what is it dubstep or something. I was talking shit yeah. about dubstep, and then but then my friend was like, "You don't know real dubstep," and I'm like, "I don't." And he's like, "No," and I'm like, "Okay." So he gave me this mix of like all these uh, older dubstep people. I'm like, "Is this dubstep?" He's like, "Yeah, this is like." before Skrillex became popular or something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what dubstep was before. I don't know. Like, so you always have to be like educated and stuff. Like, I don't know if um, I'm, I can be kind of judgmental, but I also like, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I don't know if I'm humble, but I'll admit if I like I'm wrong or just like, I'm, that was a stupid opinion or whatever. So it depends, my, thing, you know? my, main, my main thing is I just don't like people who are adventurous. You know, yeah. I grew up with bands like, like, I guess, like, like Sid Barrett's Pink Floyd. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Listening to, to, to like a band like, like, like Sun Ra. You know, like if you yeah. think about Sun Ra, like, and they're very experimental, right? And yeah. you know, the early funkadelic. You know, we got songs yeah. that are like twenty minutes long, and <laughs> yeah, and yeah. people, if you know, and, and then the even like the Velvet Underground. Like like the white light, white heat. Yeah. Like a 20 yeah, yeah, minute yeah. white noise thing. Like yeah. I was into experimental stuff, even to the point like a big star, Alex Jones, big star third. Yeah. Which is kind of like yeah, Neil, yeah. Young's, Neil Young's Tonight's the Night. Right. It's yeah. got this ramshackle kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, like sometimes the, your voice is a little out of tune, but it was like emotional. Yeah. 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 About got... tonight's the mm-hmm. night. You know, it's like because Neil was like hurt because people in his band died. Right. And he's like, relaying this story and this pain in it and yeah. he called it like part of the ditch trilogy because he said i was trying to be so perfect on harvest and then yeah. i go into like time fades away tonight's the night you know on the beach and he called it the ditch trilogy because like i didn't want to be that nashville perfect singer 
I wanted yeah. to go into something else. And yeah. I always found that those three records in that ditch trilogy were more honest. That really showed me what Neil could do. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I like. You know, yeah, yeah. But that was my what opinion. Maybe some people like Harvest better. I don't know. <laughs> Are you what do you think is like didn't he go didn't he do like a at least one electronic album? Yeah, well he was kind of crazy when he was on uh Geffen. He went and yeah. did stuff just to piss him off. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like this is like the 80s, right? He was doing that. Yeah, so he been, did a, he did a rockabilly record, he went and did an electronic record, he did yeah. all these records that weren't weren't commercial when he got this big contract from Geffen. Yeah. And I think he come off of Zuma. And he'd come off like, you know, off of Russ Never Sleeps. And then he gets this contract. And 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 Geffen is thinking, well, I'm going to get another Zuma. Or I'm going to get another Russ Never Sleeps. And then he right. gets, everybody's rocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gets, yeah. And he gets, he gets this electronic <laughs> album. And they were saying, well, I just wanted to change. You know, and then when he comes back to Warner's reprise, yeah. he gives everybody freedom, which sounds just like Zuma. You know, it's like a Zuma right. record. It's, it gets back to like... Typical crazy horse type of thing, you know? Yeah. And oh, I decided to come back to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's got, didn't he also have like a, didn't he invent, uh, have some kind of sound format thing or? Oh, yeah. He created this like thing to go against the iPod because he thought yeah. it was crap. And it was. Right, yeah. Really. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it compresses the sound so bad. And yeah. their AirPods are bad too because they take all, all, the, all the headroom out of the sound. Yeah. So if you when you when you send that to somebody and they're thinking to get get this high end device, and it's like t killing the sound. It's like if you put a lot of time into mastering, mm -hmm. like it, 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 his device was better, but nobody bought it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Was it? But, like, uh, was, it was good though. Like I had never heard. Yeah. It well, anything. it actually had more bandwidth. It, it basically had less compression, so it was closer yeah. to a wave file, closer to what you hear on vinyl or tape. Yeah. Than anything yeah. that was on an MP3 or an MP, or, or like an uh, AAAC, it it just yeah. was technically wider, so it had more headroom. You could, if you listen to it on your headphones, you could hear all this stuff that wasn't there. If you listen to it yeah. on an iPhone or an Android, right. or any of the modern cell phones, compress super yeah. bad, you know. But that's that's part of the problem. But like a like an Og Vorbis. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that thing is or there's is it tide that's like tides the title is that the platform with the high-end audio yeah title got the best audio right now supposedly um yeah because they care about it but yeah i mean at the end of the day you know kids are getting vinyl and they're getting tape again mm -hmm. just because you can hear stuff i mean i go back to some of my vinyl records and i'm listening to my motown and i'm like yeah i'm listening to my uh my chess records my james brown records yeah like mm -hmm. like 78s and mm -hmm. you know and that stuff hasn't even been brought over you know to right. the digital world there's a bunch of right. stuff i've got with james brown and the famous flames that they never even brought over and you know i got it from a pop and uh oh, yeah. i'm like wow that stuff is just i like i listen to it on my vinyl <laughs> yeah keep it on vinyl don't don't digitize nah yeah when some of that Keep stuff is get oh we get lost the kids won't you I mean it really doesn't represent what it is so you know yeah sometimes well, plus you, yeah. you need to listen to it so you don't hop around you know you just yeah. listen to the whole thing <laughs> yeah i think that's the my problem is like my my beef is just that people are too they listen to things because they like want to be cool or they want to be like make things because they want to be popular 
and they don't listen to things just because it's like it you know it sound it sounds good or there's like a you know the spirit of the thing they're all they're all kind of just clout chasers like fucking that's yeah, why you know go to buy a, buy a, a ferrari you know it's yeah, like if they, you're making music so you can buy a ferrari yeah or, or a lambo <laughs> you know yeah it's like then you're not necessarily going to do what john lyden did or yeah no did, hell no or, or like paul westerberg did like you, you or even like a liz fair would you do with exile and guy bill she didn't get a yeah. Ferrari out of that, you know, but she yeah, did it no, because yeah. she wanted to do it, you know, because she, you know. Yeah. Most people don't know that, you know, they don't know that uh, Johnny Rotten was like, had a whole other career. Right. <laughs> After yeah. the Sex Pistols, they're just like, he was at what? Didn't he die or something? Like, no, when, he's when still going. Like, Public Image Limited, which was like an electronic version of the Sex Pistols. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, which is you know it's not that bad record. I like Metal Box. Metal Box is pretty good, you know. They, yeah, those they, are cool. I like all really those cool. kind of weird angular fucking proto. Yeah, he did some really stuff. strange new wave. It's like Joy Division type stuff, you know. It's like like it's like I love Joy Division. I like what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, before mm-hmm. they became you know New Order. Yeah. Because they right. had like this post punk sound. It was still kind of punky, still kind of Clash like, but mm-hmm. then they introduced those new wave forms that you end up hearing from the cure and even new yeah. order and the but the kind of like love love will tell us apart that type of yeah. arrangement is the yeah. first time you really hear that is in joy yeah. division it's like the first yeah. example like the 79 you hear yeah. the sound that you'll hear the cure doing later and they're like yeah. the first ones to kind of do it you know yeah they like perfected it back then or something i like them when they were like uh before like when they were like warsaw they were like they didn't sound they sounded like a you know, they're like a punk, a, punk, yeah. a punk band, yeah. but they, he didn't even sound like him the way he sounds on Closer or anything. Like his voice changed a lot, changed. and uh, yeah. and just became more like you know he had that weird kind of like kind of crooner voice that he has. And then I have this book that's like uh, it's like um, what's it called um, something of living or something. It's like a about something about of li- and basically it's like a book about um, it's like about Joy Division, and then they go into New Order. Um, mm-hmm. but it's like the kind of like the tour, the tour dates and stuff. And, uh, it's oh, a cool wow. book. Um, because it goes like, it's like joy division, joy division, joy division, new order. Like, it's like, uh, there's just like, jumps. no, they just jumps. Cause like, I guess it was the day before they left or something. Right. I forget. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he was supposed to go on tour and then, you know, he yeah. killed him. But um, it was like literally like yeah. that day or that week where he's like, they're going to go to America to get famous yeah. and then he like dies and then they yeah, still went yeah, to he, America and started booking their shows to, and then they were a different band. <laughs> yeah. They became, right. yeah. And the thing is like the, a lot of people just love joy division. They, they, they prefer it though. Yeah. New order has some really great songs and I, I, I love they order, do. Yeah. but, but there's something about um, like uh disorder, you know, the song disorder yeah. to me is this is like a, like a, like a perfect type of post punk song. And yeah. it's, it's something that I always really like that. I mean, that's why I like replacements and I mm-hmm. ended up liking who's to do because yeah. I like the way that kind of attitude, you know, you yeah. got it with Nirvana, but I thought who's to do was like fantastic. I don't know if you really ever got a Bob mode, Grant Hart about who's to do, but they had yeah, this yeah. sound in Minneapolis. It's like this power pop punk that yeah, was yeah. so and the drumming was so interesting. It's you so know, cause Grant fast. Hart. It's so fast. Yeah. Yeah, he could do yeah. this really intricate like um, percussion, all kinds of like bells and other things going on with the cymbals. 
and yeah. singing. Yeah. And then right, he's yeah, actually yeah. doing very complicated, you know, sometimes not as simple as like a Ramones. He's actually doing something a little bit more. And I'm yeah, like, wow. Sure. Yeah, I'm like, that, that yeah. to me used to drive me. Yeah, he used I was to, in like at moon. some point. Say again. I was in the Keith what? Moon. I loved the fact oh. that Keith Moon pretty much soloed <laughs> through the whole song and yeah, Pete yeah. kept the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. He just was like flying around doing whatever. He was like... flying through the song with Edward soloing. Like the whole rhythm section is soloing. Yeah. And, yeah, and very, actually yeah. Pete is doing the rhythm. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild. Like they were like a wild kind of band. It's like early um, punks. People used to say, well, you know, I like they that like uh, Neil Young is the grandfather of, of punk. But I think yeah. Pete Townsend is the grandfather yeah. of punk and like Moon. And and so because that band is super punk. You know, if you yeah. listen to early Who, man, they're the yeah. sound like a punk band. I mean, they, they you know, you, like Who Sell Out, uh, My Generation. Those records yeah. are very better. They got a punk attitude. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty much, you know, then when they, get, when they did Tommy, then that came, they became more progressive. And yeah. then they got into like the rock operas with Cardiphenia. But their roots is like a very power, power, you know, power band. I mean, it's like very aggressive, yeah. you know, highly intimidating rock band. <laughs> I was into the early Who more. Like, I actually am not like, I like, I'm not a Tommy. No, a a Tommy like early not really stuff. like not I, I never like maybe I just haven't got it yet but I've I was always more into like the early who stuff the but yeah the yeah. stuff you're talking about the more like just like kind of garage band yeah, happy style jack style. you know songs like happy jack and the you know, I can see for miles and yeah the, the, Boris yeah, the, the spider yeah yeah the singles like when they had like if you get there like there's an album that has nothing but singles yeah, yeah. when they were like a singles band before they did Tommy and yeah. uh, even the Who Sell Out is a that, fantastic, yeah. it's a concept album. I don't know if you ever yeah. got it, but they, you only got My Generation. So. It's a really good record because My Generation is a fabulous song. But the Sell Out yeah. album is this, like this idea where they were going to, they had these ads running through yeah, the Yeah, that album. Yeah, the yeah. The Kinds Big Beans and all these like wrote, wrote it, like motor sounds, bass strings and deodorant. Um, yeah. But the songs are just phenomenal. And, and they, they're, yeah. they're not... They're, they're just uh, different than the Beatles, different than Kings, different than the Stones. Yeah, it's like you can say, "Well, there's the British Invasion," but the Who have their own place, and they they kind of had this niche. It wasn't like anything else. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was, I'm a pretty like you know, I'm a, I'm a Who fan. I guess they made an album like a couple of years ago or something. Yeah, they, they had a brand back. new album. They came back, but to me, like without Entwistle, yeah. you know, when they lost Moon, I was like, my, yeah. you know, like. I mean, I, I listen to those. It, it's hard, and I listen to face dances, mm-hmm. and I got like the wire, but I didn't get the mm-hmm. last album because it's like, you know, the Who to me, I'm still stuck in in like the yeah. Who sellout my generation, and you know those records, are, you know, to me, like that that's like the Who I know, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. It's easy to kind of do that. Like I always try to like keep up with these bands because it's like they you know they mean a lot to me but uh also you know like remember when the beatles did that one like the the bird uh what's that the song that came out in like the 90s oh yeah um, yeah yeah and yeah, i was just like ah fuck this shit like even though like it wasn't even <laughs> a bad song but like immediately no, everyone's just like what is it you know like <laughs> what is, 
what is this? Oh, well, you know, shit. You know, like. Yeah, I just, I, I like to find, like, old Hendrix songs that I don't know about. Yeah. But I like to find the fact that they find, like, black gold. They, they, they just miss it. Uh, Hendrix thing called black gold. Um, yeah, I haven't heard um, that. But... Um, but black gold is, like, this thing where he did, like, an acoustic album. And oh, yeah. did it, like, on a four-track in a hotel on a 12 okay. guitar. And all oh, the songs nice. are acoustic. And yeah. people have been wanting it. And the state's yeah. been creeping the songs out like one at a time on Grace on like compilations. But the yeah. real diehard fans, we know there's like ten songs they mm -hmm. did in this hotel on a on a Fostack type of on a, on a reel yeah. to reel. Yeah, and it's like it's supposed to be like phenomenal. If you ever seen mm -hmm. the Hendrix movie where he actually does like a he has this hat on it like really awesome hat a red jacket and he did this twelve string guitar song that's like fantastic like him just not being unplugged mm -hmm. the way he plays is like it's just unbelievable to hear that and to have a whole yeah. album like that is like something yeah. people have been wanting the estate to, to do because it's just we give you a different picture of him like at woodstock when yeah. he did that performance it's a different view of him and if mm -hmm. it exists and people should hear it because i i, I just want to have the full picture of who he was you know yeah yeah who was i i was arguing with someone about him like talking about band of gypsies and someone was like my friend i think was like uh that was like before the experience right i'm like no, no it's after. he's like, it's after he's like i'm like it's after he's like so machine yeah. gun was not before i'm like no and he's like machine yes, Gun's it like, was. In I'm the, like it's in the 70s what's well, late 60s you know 69 going into 70. Yeah. There, there's some concerts that happened like during new year's with the gypsies right. and yeah. um yeah, it was like his, you know, he had kind of wanted to get into funk and get yeah. into like where Curtis Mayfield was going. Yeah. And, he, you know, if he had seen it alive, he probably would have gone in that. He, the direction he was going, it was into fusion and yeah. the funk. And he was yeah. going in that in, in, in his own way. But he was, the Gypsies were an example of him kind of taking in a soul fusion funk type of sound that mm -hmm. still had his like Hendrixian psychedelic type of stuff going on. Yeah. And it, it was a really good kind of vision of where he, he could have gone, you know, if he'd yeah. been allowed to keep on going that way. It's just, Machine Gun is yeah. like considered like one of his classics because it's, it's a different yeah. style than what the experience yeah. did. You know, it's a different drummer. Yeah. It's not the same drummer, you know, yeah. different bass players. Billy Cox on bass. It's not Noel. Yeah. It's a different right. drummer, you know. You have another voice singing with the Gypsies, and it just, it just expanded what he could do. You know, I always yeah. was really impressed anytime he tried to reach out and work with other people. Yeah. You know, well, he didn't for a while. Like, I guess, like, was it that Neptune album or something? Like, at yeah. some point, there was like more material kept coming out, and I'm like, yeah, there was, was a just like final cool. album was supposed to be called First Rays of the New Rising Sun. Yeah, um, that yeah. was the album that was supposed to be after. Electric Lady Band. They finally put what it did, out yeah. the vision of what they thought he wanted because he had written down what mm -hmm. he wanted. Yeah. And they put it out like back in the late 90s. It's called First yeah. Raise and the New Rising. And he actually had that written down on a piece of paper saying that yeah. that's what he wanted the album to be. So they actually yeah. went through this state and they, they found handwritten notes and different wrote yeah. notes about the order of the songs. It has like Angel and Drifting and Easy Rider. And yeah. when you listen to the full picture of what that was, it's it's a very good record. It's like a really good follow-up to Electric Lady. There's yeah, some yeah. parts of it that are missing that they mm -hmm. didn't include that would have made it even better. 
songs mm-hmm. like Cherokee Mist and stuff like that. There's there's some really good songs that they they didn't put on it that I think should have been on it. But um, if they put those, it could have matched Electric Lady in terms of that, like what what he had in the can. But yeah, wasn't that his like? Wasn't that studio like? Was that his studio like Electric Lady? Electric Lady studio? he was building. Yeah, Electric so was, Lady. He yeah. built Electric Lady with the money he was touring from. Uh, he he actually toured real heavy in the six from '69 into '70 because mm-hmm. he got into debt to build that studio in New York. He specifically oh, yeah. was building like a 24 track studio that had the latest gear because mm-hmm. if you listen to Electric Lady, he had gotten very expansive. He had started getting into heavy multi tracking. Yeah, and I think he had only been able to do 16 and he wanted to get to 24 and he right. wanted the latest gear and he was a real gearhead. He was yeah, using he was like all these yeah. yeah, he was using everything he could get. Like anything he yeah. could get. he'd jump on a harpsichord, he'd jump on a synth, he'd jump on anything that was around. And so he was yeah. trying to build what he thought was was the future. I mean, he was hanging out with fusion jazz artists. He was mm-hmm. hanging out with um like um there was another there was a black band, I always forget the name of it. They, he did a song with um, a famous, um, uh, there was a, I always forget his name. I mean, it escapes me, but he, there actually is a mm. song of him uh, dealing with like, this guy's love. His last name is Love. He's a black oh. singer. I think. Oh, Arthur Lee. Arthur Lee, yeah. yeah. He did, there's a song of him. He did a, a duet with Arthur Lee on an original song. Oh, and nice. I have it in my Hendrix archive. And it's, it's oh, from cool. Love. And it's fantastic. And oh, cool. it just shows like how 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 he could blend into things and do things that people probably didn't expect. I mean, that song in itself. Yeah. He's, I never heard like, that. Yeah, it's a fantastic song. I mean, because he's like he he's singing Arthur Lee singing and he's doing the guitar, and he yeah. actually back, had a little bit of background singing. But I'm like, he was very in the last year of his last year of his life, he was doing tons of work. He wasn't yeah. just like you know falling off the the universe like like Morrison. He actually yeah. was working. He was, yeah, yeah. was working up till that day. He died. Yeah. He wrote some lyrics that day. He actually they yeah, found he, him in a yeah. diary. <laughs> Didn't he? He just died from like, it was like alcohol, wasn't it? Or something? Yeah, like, it was like an like, alcohol like, and sleeping pills. He he yeah. had been in, in London because his girlfriend got accused of uh, trafficking some substances. And he was going to mm-hmm. have to show up. <clears throat> and he was very, right. the stories are that he was very nervous about it. Mm. He had seen what like the kind of treatment that Keith Richards had had for heroin bust and stuff like that. And he was very yeah. scared that they were going to try to bust him like Keith. And he didn't know if he had the, had the, <clears throat> the, the power that Keith had to get out of it. He right. was like, well, they, these guys might not let me get out of it. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so fucked, he, yeah. Yeah. So he was real, like in a bad state thinking like, you know, the worst was going to happen. So, it was, you know, it's just a bad situation to happen. But um, yeah. It was like the asphyxiation thing. One of those like totally like random kind of like that didn't need to happen. That was just like. Yeah. I mean, such a great genius. I mean, somebody that was still putting material out. It's like he was like people want to say he was all done. He was like 27. He wasn't yeah. done. He was like still like actively writing. And, and some people want to act like he burned out. And if you look at the amount of output he was doing up to like, yeah. you know, the month before he died. Yeah. It doesn't look like well, somebody was trying to like leave the world. It was like yeah, they were yeah. trying to kick ass. <laughs> yeah, like fucking like you know, like Cobain or whatever. It's like Co- Kurt Cobain used to say stuff like, 
I've done it all. Like, I, I don't think I can, I don't know where to go from here. Like, I, yeah, like he thought he's, he was done. Yeah, you know, he was, he thought he, he was done. He it's just like, what am I going to do next? Like, it's, there's nothing else to do. It's like, that's like the opposite of Hendrix. Hendrix is like work ethic, like, you know, like wasn't, there's no way he would have stopped at all, you know? No, I mean, he had like Mitch Mitchell was waiting in, in a, in a rehearsal area where he had booked time. And when he died, he was so he was like unbelievable. He couldn't believe it because what? he was actually yeah. sitting on his drum set and waiting for him to show up. Yeah, that would be. So it was like they were getting ready to write something, and so it wasn't like you know he was done. He yeah. wasn't going around saying he was done. He actually booked time in yeah. London to do something. So it was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and some people just like they keep going. Like I mean, some people are very prolific and like. They don't have like these sort of like mood mood swings where they're, you know, they're like, I just I don't have it. Nothing's going on in my, I have no ideas, you know, like I don't, that some people are like that. Other people are just like, like for me, I just feel like uh, I always have some idea, you know, that I'm going to try something, you know, like. Uh, yeah. So if I just sit here right. and like wait a second, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do this, you know. Well, I think Even like, it's not a like, great idea, art. but. But I mean, I think with music, it's like, you know, I don't know if I'm working like, but I just like, I have a studio, I have yeah. my rehearsal area, I've got all the stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if I, you know, just, I get, I don't know, I just get happy when I'm on my Moog. Like, yeah. cause like, like if you're lucky enough to have like a, a really good guitar or a really good bass yeah. or an instrument like a Hammond B3 or yeah. a really good, you know, they, to me that, you know, as a musician, being able to jump on a, on a mini Moog and actually play yeah. it you know that in itself yeah. makes me write something it's because this was so happy to have it and, yeah. and it just it, it always gives me more than what i expected it's just like if you're yeah. on a hammond b3 it's like the same thing you know if you're on a really great instrument mm -hmm. you just feel like i'm just happy to be on it <laughs> yeah totally for sure like i i play drums and like i'm not the best drummer but i like i like to dick around on the drums so i'm like have fun. You know, that's all that matters. You just like, as long as you can sit down and do something that like, you know, then that's, that's all you need really to, to. Yeah. It's just like, I think the, the creative thing, I'll just probably cause we're, we're at one hour. Um, but one thing is like, I think the creative instinct is like, I bite music because I love music. If it yeah. happens to kick over and I get something where people like it, that's fine. But I never wrote it to try to get in the top 10 or the top 20. I always just wrote it. And I ended up finding things like this. You know, I'm talking to, yeah. because I found a way to leverage it and do other things. But yeah, it's always something I'm going to do I, mm -hmm. I, because I just love to do it. You know, exactly. Yeah. If you feel if the if you're feeling it right, the feel the vibe. You're like, this is cool. I like I like this. Like, and it's hard to find things like that. You know, like a lot of people that don't even have a, a hobby or they're just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go on Facebook or Inst Instagram and scroll through thing I'm like what are you doing like do you have nothing that, like a lot of people are into games right like video games yeah video games, yeah yeah it's not like, being that's a creative, not creative. It's like, yeah i just don't know it's like being a creative person like my yeah. my daughter is a, is a graphic artist she's working on a comic book a graphic novel oh. <clears throat> my, my wife is a is a is a theater person she writes plays and so mm -hmm. our whole house we're creators and mm -hmm. and, and we run into people who don't create we're always kind of like I, I don't get that, but I can't understand <laughs> yeah. it. But, but like, yeah. but, but it's like, I we're, we create. So it's a different yeah. type of person that can create versus the person that consumes what other people yeah. create. 
You know, yeah. it's like it has to be a fan somewhere. It has to be somebody that's going to play that yeah. game or listen to the song right. and maybe not play it. But um, yeah, yeah, there's this different mindset. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to diss diss people that don't like play guitar or something. It's like, you know, everyone has something that they enjoy doing. What doesn't matter what yeah, it is. Garden. They might garden or they might, you know, Kayaking. do something else. They might be an athlete in that skill in itself. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, yeah. I mean, everybody's got their own thing. But it's mm-hmm. like, you know, one thing I've always got before I leave is, you know, sometimes when we're creators, like people don't understand us. And yeah, it, for sure. What I found is like, it's like people are like, well, how can you spend all that time in that man cave writing? Why don't you come out? And I'm like, yeah. well, you know, a creative person, part of what we do is, you know, any artist you like, you know, yeah. they go away, they work yeah. on what they're going to work on, then you see them again, right? But, yeah. you know, from the Taylor Swift to the whoever, you know, the, they, yeah. they they have to have that space, and yeah. a lot of times artists were by ourselves. We're in that when we're in that space, we kind of are solitary to a certain point to get the work yeah. done. Yeah, and some no, people don't sure. get that. They don't think they get that part of being an artist. They're like, "Oh, you're antisocial." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, people wanted to like. They're, I'm supposed to see some people tonight, and I'm like, I'm just recording these drums. It'll just probably take me an hour, you know. Like, and then I'm doing this podcast and they're just like okay whatever like like i'm like what are you talking this is actually the cool like you should be like that's cool but they're just like ah whatever you know like you're you're not you're not fun i'm like it's fun to me it's a different it's a different life but i want to thank you for being on the podcast i want everybody to check out your website.ninjasdo.com um tell tell them to check I was yeah. gonna say, go to Young Coconut uh, on Spotify and check out my my albums. Oh yeah, send send me um yeah, if you send me your private chat, I will add yeah. that link when I publish. So yeah, the private chat now. Send me that link. Sure. And then uh, if you send it right now, I can add it when I go to publish. Wait, what? Um, is it on there's the a private channel? chat? Yeah, if there's a pri- if you send me what you just said, so I can add it to the description of the podcast when I yeah. publish. Sorry, I was just Spotify. in the I'll do it right now. Uh, that's not it. That's not it. I got it. Hold on. There it is. One yeah, second. You can just, copy. You just type and... that private chat, and I can grab it. I was on full screen. I didn't see the chat. There it is. Boom. Yeah, cool. Now I can just grab that, and I'll put it into my uh, – I have, like, a, another document with your description that's going to go into the publication – so you know, like we are gonna fully publish this on all of our platforms. Everybody know, on yeah. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. But it will yeah. be on Spotify, Video Podcast, Apple, Video Public, a bunch of other ones. And yeah, then cool. we create a landing that that um that we'll shoot out to you, and we'll put all that through. Nice. It sounds amazing. So it'll be fully published. Thank oh you. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, thanks night. for having maybe me. Maybe your on. friends uh, are still waiting. For you. Well, maybe What's they're that? still waiting for you, or maybe not. Maybe just go back to place. <laughs> maybe your friends yeah, are still waiting for you, or are you going to play some drums? <laughs> like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, not sure, but yeah, thanks. For, thank God, and nice to chat with you, and nice to see everybody. I don't know who was even on this thing, but uh, whoever was watching, see you later. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we usually get yeah. more on the replay, so if we go on Spotify, we get a lot more. Well, I don't even okay. see like Thank I you. don't see like that information on here, but like 
doesn't matter. Yeah, I just yeah. see. The, yeah, it'll be okay. But, I mean, we we end up getting a lot of replays on when we push it out because we actually push it up on blogger articles and it goes to like a like eleven yeah. platforms. Yeah. By the time we're done, it's like maybe fourteen full platforms. Yeah. That... yeah. Oh, I lost sound. Sound is lost. Wait, wait. I lost sound. Sorry. Like. Okay. Bye.